I want to talk about something in the Word of the Lord in Philippians chapter 4 that should be a learned discipline in all of our lives. I want to talk about contentment. I just got some omis oh and omis oh and amens right there. I, uh, contentment is what I want to talk about. We live in a world full of people who lack contentment. Our society tends to be very needy, or should I say very wanty. I don't know if that's a thing, but I just made it up, so there it is. Very wanty. And sometimes we have a hard time being satisfied. But here's what you need to know about contentment. It's not something that you get. It's something that you learn. It's something that you learn. We don't get contentment. We learn contentment. Let me ask you this question. Do your circumstances bother you? Are you at a place where you wish nothing would change and yet everything is changing? Are you having to adjust to new surroundings or new people? If you answered yes to any of those questions, I've got a good word for you, and I'm going to borrow it from the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 11. And this is what the Apostle Paul has to say, and I'm reading from the New International Version. Just follow along with me. Paul says in Philippians 4 and 11, I'm not saying this because I am in need for I have learned, everybody say learned. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances are in my life. The King James Version says, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need, Paul says, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want, I can do everything. Everybody say everything. I can do all things. I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Now, you'll notice there in verse 11 that contentment does not come natural to you and I. It is a learned behavior. It is a gross error or great mistake to build your happiness on circumstances, on people, or on things. Because circumstances will change. Things will fade away and people will let you down. A circumstance change or, you know, it has a way of wearing out or losing its value, but we know that true internal peace in our lives cannot be based on changing external things. I'm going to say it again. Internal peace doesn't come by changing external elements or things. You're not going to be happier if you get a new zip code. I'm just telling you. There, there, there's got to be something deeper to make, it, to make it more satisfying, and yet most people build their happiness on the passing external things of this world. Believe it or not, there are some people that honestly believe that they would be happier if they drove a different make of car, 
They, they think that if they lived in a different house or if they had a different job or maybe if they were married to somebody else, right? Or if they had more money or, or if they could get out of that relationship, they think, and, and because they think like that, they're never really happy. They're never really happy. It's foolishness to build our happiness on those kinds of things because real contentment must come from within. It comes from inside out, not outside in. Contentment starts inside of me. I I cannot control or change the world around me, and yet I can control and change the world within me. Mm. It's been said that what life does to us greatly depends on what life finds in us. You know, we, we, we trust that when we buy that tube of toothpaste at the grocery store, we, we just trust that there's really toothpaste in there, right? We just do. We, we trust that. It said crest on the outside, so that must be what's on the inside. But the truth is, the company that makes Crest toothpaste, they also make a lot of other household products right? It's true that they do. They make detergents and lotions and cleaning products and all of that. So the only way that you really know that it has what the label says it has on the inside is to put the squeeze on it, right? The only way to really know if it's toothpaste in the toothpaste tube is to squeeze it out. You got you to put the squeeze on it and see what comes out. And I got to tell you, the same really goes for you and I today. We, we can wear the Christian label really well. We can look the part. We can have a fish on our bumper sticker that says, honk if you love Jesus. But until life puts the squeeze on you, you won't know what's on the inside of you. Amen? Amen. Some of us ought to be sued for false advertising. I can tell you that. All right? <laughs> Because what's happening on the outside may not be a true reflection of what's really on the, on the inside. And Paul said in, in, in Philippians 4 and 11, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances are. Now that, that word content, let me start by telling you what it does not mean, okay? It does not mean complacent. It does not mean apathetic. It does not mean I have found my place in a, a star, found myself in a state of complacency. Because contentment is not complacent. Contentment is not being satisfied. Paul was anything but complacent. Paul was anything but satisfied. Paul had a burden for souls. Paul was driven to take the gospel to the lost world. He was a very motivated individual. He wrote letters of encouragement from prison cells. He did multiple missionary journeys. Paul was not complacent, but he was content. That word content does not mean a dreamy state that makes us immune to trouble. That's not it either. The word that Paul uses, content, is really best translated to be contained. To be contained. Or, I have learned to be contained whatever the circumstances I may find myself in. Now, that that word contained means self-sufficient. Now, I don't mean outside of Christ, but sufficiency from within. 
What Paul is saying here is I don't depend on the things on the outside because I carry my own sufficiency on the inside. I carry my own sufficiency. He's referring there to the power that he has through Jesus Christ. In fact, later Paul says, I have learned the secret to being content in any and every situation. In any and every situation, in all situations, I I have learned to be self-contained in any and every circumstance. Now we're getting somewhere here because contentment is actually containment or having the spiritual resources within to handle it courageously and handle it successfully. I like to refer to contentment as divine adequacy. Divine adequacy, understanding that my God is more than enough, that my God can supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Divine adequacy. In other words, I'll always have what I need through Christ, through God. Contentment. In 711 BC, just a few years after Hezekiah became king, Sargon II of Assyria captured the city of Ashdod. You can read about this in 2 Chronicles. Hezekiah anticipated when he would have to deal with the Assyrian army. Hezekiah was a planner. He was, a, he was one who looked ahead and, and planned ahead. And so before trouble ever got to the city, Hezekiah fortified the city of Jerusalem and he organized an army. Knowing, now understand, knowing that water is such an important source for life, Hezekiah didn't just wall in the city when he fortified it. No, he didn't just do that because if you just wall it in, then that means you've walled yourself out of resources, right? So what he did was wall in the city, but then he built a tunnel through solid rock underneath the city from the springs of Gahon to the silo pool. And the city wall was extended to, exclu- to, to enclose this important source of water. So watch this. Hezekiah anticipates that the Assyrian army is going to come and lay siege to their city. Now, when, when somebody would come and lay siege to a city, it didn't mean that they burned the city down. It didn't mean that they, uh, you know, uh, pillaged and, and pummeled the city or anything like that. What it meant is that they would surround the city. They would block the entrances and the exits to the city, and they wouldn't let anybody in, and they wouldn't let anybody out. Now, that doesn't seem like such a big deal, but if nobody's going in and nobody's coming out, then that means that no food, no water, no resources are going into that city. And so once the city runs out of whatever resources they have, then the, enemy, then the people within the city would get weak, they, they would get, they would get uh, sick and even die due to a lack of water and a lack of food and a lack of resources. So then the enemy, once that happens, can go into the city, they can finish them off because they're not, they're not able to fight. And that was the Assyrian plan. But because Hezekiah anticipated this tactic, he built this self-sustaining water source underneath the city so that Jerusalem would never run out of water. 
And when the Assyrians showed up, just like Hezekiah thought that they would, when they arrived, they did just what they planned on doing. They surrounded the city, they blocked everything up, they refused anybody entrance or exit, and they just sat and they waited. And a few days went by, they sent somebody into the city and they said, okay, it's been a few days, they've got to, they, they've got to be running out of food, they've got to be running out of water, they've got to be running out of resources, well, we need to find out what's going on because it, we, we, we're getting to the time now to where we need to go in there and, and really, you know, we can attack them and defeat them and destroy them. And so surely they're out of water, they send somebody in to check and the report comes back to the Assyrian king. You know, things seem to be going pretty well on the inside of old, of old Jerusalem. There's no sign of desperation. There's no sign of frustration. They seem to be kind of going on with life. And the Assyrians were confused by this. Jerusalem, even though surrounded, seems to be content. Jerusalem, even though their adversary has them in a very precarious situation, even though they're surrounded, even though there's an army that's laying siege to the city, the city of Jerusalem seems to really just be okay. They seem to be all right, surrounded by trouble and yet self-contained. How's that possible? Because there was a hidden source of water on the inside of that city that was sustaining them while the world around them is in serious jeopardy. The world's outside resources, ladies and gentlemen, such as friends and counselors and encouragements are only able to do so much. And so let me ask you, if all the props and crutches were taken away from our lives, would we be able to stand? Or are you self-sustaining through Christ Jesus? Do you have divine sufficiency and divine adequacy on the inside? Is there a well of living water on the inside of you that even though the enemy surrounds you and even though the enemy tries to lay siege to your life, I'm not worried about it, I'm not freaking out about it, I'm not, I'm not getting all crazy because there's a river of living water that lives on the inside of me that is sustaining me through my trouble. And Paul said that it didn't come natural. I've had to learn to be content whatever the circumstances were in my life. It's not a spiritual gift. It's not, it doesn't immediately come with salvation. It, it was something, uh, it did not come through pastoral impartation. It was only something that Paul had to learn in his life. The word learned literally means by experience. Right? How many knows today that experience is one of the best teachers? Some of us are graduates of, of the University of Experience. Yeah. Some of y'all walking around, I went, to the, I went to the U of E. What's that? That's the University of Experience. Yeah. Exactly. And Paul learned contentment by experience. Verse 12 in Philippians chapter 4, I know what it is to be in need, Paul said. I've been there. Paul says, I've been, I've been there. I've been in need. I know what it means. I know what it means to have plenty. There's been, there's been times when I was eating filet mignon, and then there was times when I was just eating bread. 
And sometimes I didn't even have bread. I was just making it up as I go. Paul said, I've learned, I, I, I know what it is to be in need, I know what it is to have plenty, but I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I'm well-fed or whether I'm hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or whether I'm living in want. Now, this is usually where you and I miss the boat because we want the inner contentment and the spiritual adequacy, we want that right now. We want that instantly. We, 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 want, to come, we want it to come with the package. We, we want it to be a feature on, on the plan of salvation. We, we want it to be included in the deal, but, but it's not. We want the preacher to impart it to us. Just lay hands on us, preachers, so we can learn self-sufficiency through Christ. But we can't do that. It doesn't work like that. We have to learn that. Now, pastor, don't tell me that. Tell me, tell me I can get it in five easy steps. Tell me I can, I can subscribe to the right podcast and I can, I can just tune into the right thing and I can get around the right people and just tell me that, that, that I can get it. Don't, don't tell me it comes through experience. I want you to listen. Sometimes you have to go through some things in order to learn about some things. Paul said, I know what it is to be in need. Let me tell you, the only way you know how to be in need is to experience need, right? You, you, you have to be in need to know what that's like. People can tell you and, and tell you and tell you again, but there will come a time when we are all going to have to experience it for ourselves. That's life. That's how we learn. And Paul said, I've experienced it all. I've been in need. I've had plenty. I've been in want. I've been in abundance, Paul says. I I've experienced hunger. I've experienced a full belly. I've experienced some things. I I've been through a thing or two, Paul says. And because I've got some experience on my side, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I tell you, you only have to touch a hot stove once, and you probably won't do that no more, right? You only have to drive through that speed trap once, you probably won't do it again. Why? Because experience. Because of experience. Yeah. And some of us are faltering and failing in life because we're not taking notes. We're not picking up on the things that God has for us. We're not learning from our experiences, and we're not learning contentment, and we're not, we're not learning containment. And so we falter, and we fail, and we're forced to repeat the class. And some of us wonder why it seems like we're going through the same things over and over and over again. It's because you are. Because I'm not learning to be content. I'm not learning to have that self-containment through Jesus Christ. Of course, the opposite of being content is what? Discontent, right? Discontent or discontentment. And one of the primary things that causes discontentment in our life is change. Did you know that? Change in your life will cause you to become discontent, right? Some of y'all are shaking your head. Some of y'all don't, don't, maybe you haven't experienced any change in your life. I don't know. But we're creatures of habit, if you didn't know that. And I know this to be true because 
Y'all came here tonight and sat in the same seat you sat in on Sunday. <laughs> right? You parked in that same parking spot you parked in last Wednesday night. Yeah, we just, we, that's how, that's what, what we're, we're familiar. We have our routines. We like what we like. We, we, get, we get our coffee in the morning and we, we go through our routine and we, we just, we're creatures of habit. We like familiar things. We don't want, you know, we don't want the boat to get rocked. We, we, we fight to keep ourselves and our children and our, and our spouses and our world, we, we want it to be just like it is. And, 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 you know, we do that. And when we do that, we're robbing ourselves of the contentment that God can give us if we'll yield to him and let him do his perfect will in all of us. But it's, but it's, but it's going to be work. Listen, there is no growth without challenge and there is no challenge without change. There is no growth without challenge, and there is no challenge without change. Change brings challenges. I know that to be true, but challenges bring growth. And if our lives are going to be isolated and insulated, then that means we'll never face any challenges, we'll never go through any changes, but it also means that we'll never have an opportunity to grow, and we'll never have an opportunity to mature. Go on, if you will, and read about the life of Paul. Check out 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 through 27. I, I, I'm not going to read it tonight, but five times, the Bible says, Paul took 39 stripes on his back. Five different times he took 39 stripes. I can't even pull off a Band-Aid. And Paul took 39 stripes five times. Three times he said, I was beaten with rods. He says, I was stoned. He says, three other times I was shipwrecked. I spent a day and a night in the ocean. And I'm not talking about on a boat. I'm talking about floating in the ocean, like grabbing onto a piece of, of, of wood. Yeah, I spent, I spent three days doing that. He said, I was, I was stranded. I was, I was treading water for life. Paul says, I was in peril of robbers. I was in peril of my own countrymen. I was in trouble with the city. I was in peril in the wilderness and in peril amongst false brethren. Mm. He says, I've been weary. He says, I've been in pain. He says, I've been hungry and I've been thirsty. He said, I've been cold and I've been naked. I mean, at what point do you back up and say, I've had enough, right? Tired of this. At what point do you say, I can't handle this anymore? Is this really worth it? Is, is what I'm doing really worth all of this uh, uh, discomfort, all of this stuff? I mean, at what point do you, do, you, do you just call somebody else up and say, tag, you're in? I'm out, you're in, take, take my place, I've had all I can handle. This is tough, this isn't as fun as I thought it was gonna be. And Paul was beaten and stoned and shipwrecked and in peril and boy, with everybody and everywhere, he's imprisoned and falsely accused and hungry and thirsty and cold and naked and yet through it all, Paul never quits. Huh. I know people, I know people that were, they were going to quit church because somebody, you know, didn't shake their hand. 
Paul didn't quit. I had one lady one time threaten to leave the church because nobody ate her green bean casserole at the potluck. Don't feel sorry for her. What do you do, Pastor? I, I, I just, I got a pointer to 2 Corinthians. And I got to say, ma'am, <laughs> I'm sure your green bean casserole is the bee's knees, but I'm, I'm here to tell you, what are we doing? Right? What are we doing? Paul, Paul said, listen, I, I mean, you, 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 you know, gonna, gonna, gonna quit. Listen, some of the early church believers, folks, were dipped in wax and set on fire. I'm just saying, and I'm worried about somebody didn't, didn't greet me. You know, help us, Jesus. Paul said, I've had it good, I've had it bad, I've eaten with kings, I've eaten with rats and roaches. Paul says, but through it all, he said, let me tell you what I've, what I've learned. And I'm going to tell you something. You, you go through a few things in life, and you'll learn a few things. I mean, you eat at the king's table, and then next week you're eating with rats and roaches. You're going to learn a few things. Yeah. He said, let me tell you what I've learned. He said, my experiences have taught me this, that whatever the circumstances are in my life, whether I've got it going on or I can't find it for nothing, whether I'm eating at the king's table or I'm eating with the rats, whether I'm floating in the ocean for three days or I'm up in the king's power, whatever the situation in my life, I have learned that I can be content because my contentment is not determined or dictated by my surroundings. My contentment is not determined by what's going on in my life right now. My contentment is not determined by whether things are good or whether things are bad or whether I hit every green light on the way to work or whether I got into an accident on the way. It doesn't matter. Whatever's going on in my life, I can be content. I've learned, my, my experiences have taught me this. Why? Because I've got a sustaining well on the inside of me. Mm. Oh, I got something deep down on the inside that encourages me when I need encouragement. I got something on the inside of me that will minister to me when I'm in need of ministry. It's, it's living water. It's when I'm thirsty and it's heavenly manna when I'm hungry. And it's a self-sustaining, self-containing resource. What is it, Paul? He lets us know what it is in verse 13. He says, I can do all things. I can do everything. How? How do you do everything? How do you have a smile on your face when the world around you is crumbling? How is it that you can still be a nice person when they spilt your food on you at the restaurant? How is it that you can do, you just life can be in peril and yet you can have a smile on your face? Paul said, I can do everything and I can do it all. Let me tell you how. I do it through Christ that gives me strength. I don't do it based on how I feel, I do it through Christ. I don't do it based on what my eyes and ears and senses tell me, I do it based on Christ that is in me, the hope of glory. Y'all gonna make me preach here, watch out. 
And so there it is. That self-containing, self-sustaining resource on the inside. Well, well, of course Paul had that. He was Paul. <laughs> well, what does that mean for us? What's, what's my self-containing, self-sustaining resource on the inside? You better know that it's the Holy Ghost. Mm. It's Jesus on the inside trying to work on the outside if I'll let him. And he's trying to do something for me. And he's trying, to, he's trying to let me know that I've got a reservoir on the inside. That no matter what's going on in my life, I can learn to be content. I don't have to, I don't have to get, get riled up with every situation. I don't have to respond to every rock that's thrown at me. I don't have to, I don't have to lash out at every dog that barks at me. I don't have to do that. I can, I can keep my eyes moving forward, my feet moving forward. I can wake up and go to bed and live my life with joy and peace and love and, and meekness and gentleness and faith and temperance. I can have the fruit of the Spirit operating in my life, God's been too good to me. Mm. I mentioned it earlier, the Bible refers to the Holy Ghost as being a well of living water. Let me tell you, a well does not run out of water. It's not some 40-gallon thing that's going to be gone from by the time you walk out of here Sunday. It's going to be gone by Thursday. If that's, if that's happening to you, you've got a leak in your water tank. <laughs> we got we to gotta, we gotta get, get that fixed. There's a well on the inside. It says it's a well of living water, <clears throat> and it isn't just a well of living water. It's springing up. It's a well that springs up in my soul. And so just like Jerusalem, even though my enemy has me surrounded and even though they want to lay siege to my life and even though they're trying to starve me out and they're trying to cut off all my resources, there's a resource that they don't know about and a resource that they cannot touch. Because the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. Oh, somebody hear what I'm saying. Mm. And I can't be defeated. I can't be defeated so long as I've got that well springing up in my soul. And if that source is living on the inside of me, then no matter what situation I find myself in, and listen, I find myself in some situations. I, I can get myself into some situations, all right? I've learned how to do that pretty well. But no matter what situation I find myself in, as long as I've got Jesus, I'm going to make it. If God is for me, then what circumstance can be against me? If God is for me, what, what situation, what, what, what devil can come against me if God is for me? Paul learned how to be self-contained in Christ, and he learned how to carry within him 
all the resources that he needed to live for Christ. You know, Paul wrote most of the New Testament from prison. In fact, he wrote this book of Philippians, the very words that we're reading from tonight. He wrote them from a Roman prison. Yeah, let me just tell you tonight that all those difficulties that you're fighting and all those things about which you're complaining and, and all the things that have got you distracted are more than likely the very tools that God wants to use to give you that sufficiency on the inside. If you'll quit fighting God, if you'll quit wrestling with what God's trying to do in your life, if you'll let God teach you, then you will learn contentment. If you'll realize that God might be trying to download some things into your life, well, I'm going through these difficult things. Yeah, and it, it's, it's, it, the trials of your faith, right, are still for your strength. And they're still to make you better. You need to come out of that thing better than you went in, honey. Yeah. You need to come out of that thing better than you went in. God's trying to teach you something. God's trying to show you something. He's trying to help you to learn to be self-contained and through the Holy Ghost. And he's trying to help you learn to be content. He might just want us to learn contentment. I'm closing 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6. Paul writes to young Timothy, the minister. Musicians come. And he says these words. He says, Timothy, godliness is great gain. Well, that's partially true. But God, what he actually said was godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness by itself is good gain. But godly, godliness with contentment is great gain. Mm. It's great gain. When I learn contentment, it's great. It's a great benefit to my life when I learn contentment. Why? Because that contentment grows in me. It matures me. Godliness is one thing. I want godliness. You should want godliness. We should all want godliness in our life. But godliness without contentment, well, that's going to run you into some issues. But when I couple godliness with contentment, I'm a better Christian, I'm a better person, I'm a better husband, I'm a better father, I'm a better pastor. When I have contentment, godliness don't hold the contentment. Bring that side of contentment out. I want that too. I want to ask you today about your source. Can I ask you today about what's on the inside of you? When life puts the squeeze on you, what comes out? When you get into a dire situation, do you cry out, Jesus? Or is it some other word that's coming out? Right? 
When life puts the squeeze on, what, what's, on what's inside of you? Do you have a life-sustaining source that you can tap into when life gets tough? Are you learning from your life experiences? Are you taking notes and making the grade, or are you just doomed to repeat the class? I, I hope tonight that you'll take a lesson from Paul and get on the road to learning contentment. I'm going to tell you, learning contentment, and I've not arrived at that yet, but I'm telling you, learning contentment is not an easy thing to do. It's not simple. It's, it's not easy. It's going to be a challenge. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. And yet it's something that God would have us to learn. Paul makes it a point in Philippians. Paul says a lot of incredible things in Philippians 4. Brother Duvall, we've had many conversations about Philippians. We talk all night about Philippians 4. Because there's some really, really good stuff in there. <clears throat> but for all the good things that are in that chapter, Paul made a point of put, making sure that the church understood contentment. Whatsoever state I'm in, I'm learning I'm learning to be content. My prayer tonight is, Lord, help us to learn to live contained and to learn to live contentment. Don't despise God's process. Don't, don't get upset at God because he's trying to teach you some things. No, you need to learn. Learn. God, I'm willing to learn. I'm, I'm willing to go through a thing or two so that I can learn what you want me to learn. Because if I learn what you want me to learn and I get contentment down on the inside of me, I'm going to come out the other side and I'm going to be better for it. Would you stand with me tonight? Mm. Paul said, whatsoever state I'm in, Whatever's going on, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's neutral, Paul said, I'm going to be content. You're not going to be able to get me too down on the down days, and you're not going to get me too excited on the good days. I'm just, I found my sweet spot. I'm learning to be content because I know that the bad days won't last forever, and the good days won't either. Yeah. I'm gonna come back to contentment. I wanna to learn to be content. I wanna have godliness and contentment because when I have them both, it's great gain. There's a great benefit to my life. And I don't know about you, but I want all the benefits that God has for me. Can you say amen? Come on, would you lift your hands right now? Come on, would you lift your hands right now? Come on, let's cry out to the Lord God, we love you. We thank you for your word. God, I thank you, Lord, God, that whatsoever state I may be in, God, that I can be content. I, God, I've got a self-sustaining well on the inside of me that keeps me, God, when things aren't going well. God, I've got that living water, that, that well that springs up in me. God, you've put it there. It's your spirit. God, I thank you for it now. Come on, we're going to sing a song. And as we do, I wonder who might come to this altar tonight and raise your hands and say, God, I want to learn contentment. God, I want to learn. I want that gain in my life. 
God, I want to learn how to make it through. I want to learn how to come out the other side, not wavering, not faltering, not falling, not failing, but I want to sail on for Jesus. Come on, who will do that today? Come on, lift your hands. Oh, I believe you're more than enough for me. Jesus, Jesus, you're I believe God, you're my everything, Jesus. God, you're all I need. Yeah. Come on, lift your hands all across the place. God, we believe. I believe you're more than enough for me. Jesus, you're all I need. I believe you're my healer. You're my life sustaining will. You are all I need. God, I know that if I've got you, that I don't need anything else. Because I can make it. God, I can survive. I can thrive. Come on, I wonder if all over this place right now you lift your hands with me. Let's pray a prayer together, God. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, God, for challenging me tonight. God, that whatever state I find myself in, God, I can learn to find contentment. I can find godliness, but I can find contentment. God, I thank you for the Holy Ghost. I thank you, Lord, for that reservoir that's on the inside of me. God, that springing well of living water. God, that when the enemy comes in like a flood, you can raise a standard up against it and you can sustain me and keep me and cause me to be victorious and cause me to live as an overcomer, more than a conqueror. Oh, God, I thank you for it now. But, Lord, if there's anybody here tonight under the sound of my voice, that is struggling to learn contentment. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help them. I pray that you would be with them. God, maybe the enemy is trying to tear them down. God, maybe the enemy's got their, their, their life surrounded. God, I pray right now that you would let that life-giving flow come into them. Let that water of the Holy Ghost sustain them tonight. Oh God, let us learn contentment. Let us learn to be content. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If you're here tonight and you want to give in the offering, you're welcome to do that. Come forward, but let's sing this song again and let's give a praise unto the Lord who teaches us every good and perfect thing. Oh, I believe that you're my healer. I believe you're my healer. Yes, I do. I believe you are all I Lord, if you believe that tonight, why don't you give him some praise? Oh, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I believe. I believe you're my healer. I believe 
Thank you, Lord, that you are with us in any and every circumstance of our life. God, I pray that we would go out of this place, God, tonight and all the rest of this week. God, and that we would learn to be content. God, that we would find in you that ever-giving, life-giving flow of the Holy Ghost. God, that it would well up in us and that it would keep us to keep our eyes on you. God, we love you and we thank you for it now. God, bless us all until we meet again. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. God bless you tonight. Thank you for being in Midweek Bible Study. Shake hands, love on somebody. Amen. We'll see you Sunday morning at 11 a.m. God bless you in Jesus' name. Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing.